Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast, early morning episode here. Uh, Bud, we certainly won't be short of topics to jump into. Uh, so, conference realignment, conference expansion, blah, 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 certainly topic du jour, and that's been a fun topic for us to jump into over the years, as has been us having the ability to talk about our partners at Louisiana Hot Sauce and Tarpid Cellars. Louisiana Hot Sauce, um, three simple ingredients, one fantastic product, greatest sponsor of a sports podcast ever, and uh, Tarpon Cellars Winery, fantastic place. Had a sip of the cab last night myself, and always a uh, a favorite, tarponcellars.com, coupon code NOLCAST. A big thank you to our uh, title sponsors. And with that, Bud, let's jump into it. Yes, sir. Let's do this thing. Um, so the chat wants to talk conference realignment. Which, look, I think that you have been, you know, extremely strong in your opinion that FSU is not long term going to be in the ACC. I have concurred in that. Uh, Colorado did go to the Pac-12, which, or excuse me, to the Big Twelve, which is not entirely surprising, right? Um, I'm not really sure that that moves the needle a, a ton, but it, it's obviously another sort of. Uh, move that destabilizes conferences a little bit and speeds up potential uh, of moves. I, I had a tweet the other day, which, uh, oh, look at that. I'm going to do some show prep here live on the air. I'm going to share a tweet. Actually, I'm just going to read the tweet. So David Hale, uh, who I consider a, a friend in the business, I, I think you do as well, and does a really good job covering ACC. Um, he says, I've been pretty upfront that I think the ACC is in the near impossible situation long term. But it's interesting that there's not a brand in the Big 12 that would move the needle on the ACC's TV deal. Uh, yet the vibes, as the kids say, are so much better around the Big 12 than the ACC. Uh, he said, it's certainly more complicated than that. But when Phillips talks so much about narratives this week, I think that's at the heart of it. Dollar for dollar, you'd much rather be uh, the ACC than the Big 12 today. But it sure doesn't feel that way. Uh, and I quote tweeted them. And I didn't expect this to go nuclear, but it kind of did. 16,000 uh, interactions. So. Okay, uh, on X, not not Twitter, I guess. So, <laughs> what, what is it? A is it a quote Zeet? It's a, I, I guess? guess we're Zeet now. Zeet. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Okay. This is. I don't really care about the name. I do care about the logo and my tabs changing. That is really mm -hmm. annoying when when I, when I go search for stuff. Uh, I said uh, there are eighteen teams whose top attainable goal is to win a national title. They act like it, spin like it, fundraise off it, know what they're ceiling. It's doable. And most have actually done it in the last 30 years. The new Big 12 has zero of those 18. The ACC has three. The new Big 12 schools don't sweat not having the financials to compete for a national title because it's not a realistic goal for them. The three in the ACC care more because they do have something to lose if the TV split carries into 2030. That, that's kind of where I am with this. Like Florida State, Clemson, and Miami do have something to lose in terms of how they run their programs aspirationally if they stay in the ACC in the long term. Nobody in the Big 12 does. So, yeah. Um, there's a vote. Not a vote. Uh, they have a board meeting on the 3rd in Tallahassee. Florida there's, State has a board meeting, yeah. Everybody's, you know, all this fervor about a proposed loan for Seminole boosters. I think we should let some air out of that balloon, most likely. Like, this is an educated guess on my part. I don't think that that is some kind of massive loan from the Saudis 
to, to, to like fund FSU going to the SEC or anything. I think it's probably for stadium improvements if I had to make a guess. Also, I'm relatively certain Seminole boosters would not be the one taking a loan to buy out of the ACC, right? Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think that would go through boosters. Sorry. I don't, you know, I'm, we are speculating on this. I don't. I I think I think there's a lot to pay attention to. Um, I don't think that that's like the aha moment. I'll put it that way. Could be wrong, um, but I agree with you that I I also don't think that would be the entity that would be paying you know Florida State's. Uh, buy out of the GOR and everything else. So um, it's going to be a very interesting time. I will tell you, i just make this clear. Like, I don't like, there are like four or five people that know what's going on with stuff like this. Y'all it's the general counsel. It's the chairman of the board. It's the president of the college or uh, president of the university uh, athletic director. Like I can assure you that the collective knows nothing about, conference expansion at Florida state or any other school, not, not something that you would ever hear about. So um, I'm really just going to speak to that of what I've spoken of previously. And I'll, I'll draw attention to uh, an episode that we did uh, last September. And I, I love the Noel cast. It's, it's really one of the favorite things that I've been a part of and I'm proud of what it's turned into and Bud's gone on to do great things and uh, his national pod as well. Uh, but we've always tried to do, we've always taken this seriously. And we've tried to put out a good product. And I think the show we did last sem- September may be the best show that we've ever done, Bo, <laughs> Bud, because yeah. we, we gave you an incredible roadmap as to what conference expansion might look like. Uh, the fact that you would need teams to dissolve the SEC at this point. Um, and we brought up the August 15th date that we intentionally waited until after last year because we didn't want people to misconstrue what we were saying, that this was like a 22 conversation. Um, I do think it may very well be a 23 conversation. I think we may be watching this play out right now. Um, it is going to, it's going to be very interesting. I do. I can tell you uh, that speaking to other schools, um, my family's from Virginia. I went to college in Virginia. I have, a lot of connections up there and I've made some great friends at, at Clemson over the years. Uh, the level of chatter is, is different. Now, yeah. does it mean it's happening tomorrow? Uh, I, I don't, you know, I wouldn't live in 24 hour increments with this thing. Just, just you, we've got, you know, the August 15th date, we can let this play out over the next two weeks, watch it and, uh, and adjust accordingly. But I, I do think that there's, Slap me in the face if I'm wrong comes, you know, September 1 or something. But it, I, it does feel that this is a little different this time around. So um, let's, it does. let's watch it. I, I will also say that whether or not Florida State announces something before the 15th, I think it also behooves them to make other leagues think that they actually will, mm-hmm. right, for leverage. You guys, you guys can and probably should read into that. I, I, I would, I would think. Like, if yeah. this is me, I, I, if I'm FSU, I want everybody believing that I'm going to jump, right? I want the Big Ten thinking that. I want the SEC thinking, oh my god, they're going to go to the Big Ten. I want the ACC thinking, oh shoot, are they mm-hmm. really serious about about like you know pulling this pin? Yeah. So let's let's go back. ESPN, hey, are, are you guys seeing this? Like, are you sure? Like, like they're going to have to cut us a fat check and and probably finance this thing. Uh, but 
and I was joking about the Saudis. I, I don't actually think they're going to become the force that Saudi knows, right? I, I, I think you could, if you had to, you could probably get other sources, although that would be, uh, I don't want to call it hilarious. It would be leaning, it would be leaning into something. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, remember like 2014 FSU villain mode, basically it, it, for, yeah. Uh, look, I just think that if you're Florida State, you have to secure your, your future eventually. I also don't think it would cripple them financially to wait a year or two, right? You have your new your new new playoff format, not the 12 team, but the new playoff deal in, in 26. Does it hurt you right now to be behind in funding? Yes. The whole money cannon stuff doesn't really come in, in, into such a clear relief for about another two years. Like Florida State's not going to go become a Mac team if they're not out of the league by 25. I think if they're not at, like, if they're not at least announced out by 26, now granted, I, I do think something could happen within the next 15 days. I do not think that they're going to, although they have used board meetings at times to send messages, clearly what Alford did about five months ago mm-hmm. uh, at, at that one. I do not think that they're going to announce this on, on the third. I would be surprised if, if they do like I'm traveling on the third as I believe you are too. If we really honestly in our heart of hearts believe that they were going to announce that they're leaving on the third, I think we would probably try to find a way to make sure our schedules matched up that, that day so we could go live. Right. And I, I at this point I'm not planning to do so. So I will I'm be wrong. in Tallahassee though. So you know look at that. We can, we can uh we can get something up uh streaming from the indigo or All something right. like that. Uh, I will say one more thing of the parties that you just mentioned. Uh I I think it behooves the those in the ACC who may want to move to grab the Big 12's attention as well and to yeah. uh, let them see that. I mean, I said this two or three months ago, um, Louisville, Pitt, Virginia Tech, kind of these these level of schools that probably aren't going to get an SEC or ACC invite under any circumstances, uh, but have really good athletic programs and want to play athletics uh I could see I could see the Big Twelve having some some interest in properties like that. So uh, you got to get to eight. I think the Big Twelve has to play a may need to carry like half of that load. So um, we'll we'll see we'll see what it looks like. It's it's wildly interesting times um, as far as like who and do do we want to have like who could go with them type conversation? Well, I I think it is useful. Two things on my notes. One, I wanted to say, what is more ridiculous? Like, Battles End being consulted, which you guys do amazing work at Battles End. Battles End being consulted <laughs> on the conference move, or Deion Sanders being consulted on a school's move, which he might not be there for more than, like, two or three years. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, that is uh, <laughs> that is hilarious. Sorry, chat. This is, I, do, uh, I do love that people people's belief on some of this stuff always cracks me up. Um, how does it feel to hold FSU's conference realignment future in your hand? <laughs> I can t- I can promise you it's uh, oh, it's, it's, um, it's not not a heavy burden on my shoulders. Uh, I'll put it that way, because that is the, the last conversation that anyone will ever have with me. Um, so Tuesday afternoon, the Pac-12 announces their deal. I do think mm-hmm. this I do think this plays into this, honestly. Right. Like if Fox owns the Big Ten, essentially, not not all of it. Uh, CBS has a piece other than NBC has a piece as well. If the Pac-12 deal is heavy streaming and does come in under the Big 12 deal, then I think Oregon is in like five-alarm fire mode, right? 
and they they could certainly be something that would they would need to look around most likely to preserve because I have Oregon in my 18. I don't know if we actually outlined but the, to me there's seven in the ACC three in or seven in the SEC gosh uh, if there were seven in the ACC we would not have this conversation uh seven in the SEC three in the ACC four in the new big 12 or the new big 10 zero in the new big 12 Notre Dame and then Oregon out of the out of the pack so like Florida State controls its own destiny in so much as it could just go take a massive private equity loan and tell the ACC to you know to kiss off but it does not fully control its own destiny as to where it goes it does need some dancing partners and an invite mm-hmm. <laughs> which it may or may not have uh so yeah I clearly like I mean I know Pete Thamel said that uh Virginia and North Carolina are higher uh, desired. Pro- he said this on his podcast this morning. Uh, higher desired properties for expansion uh, because the Big Ten and the SEC don't have any teams in those footprints right now, and it does increase your your cable markets. This is yeah. sort of like the mini downstream of what Rutgers was. Like the, for those who don't know, the Big Ten didn't want Rutgers football program. The Big Ten wanted to be able to say that it has a program in the New York Metro market, right? Which Rutgers gets you with, with Jersey, which means they're able to charge everybody like two ninety nine per cable box or something, which is just mm-hmm. a crazy amount of money for the Big Ten Network. Dancing partners, Carolina is definitely one that everybody wants. I Carolina, do buy that you would rather have Carolina and FSU. I don't necessarily buy the UVA stuff, but I could be yeah. wrong. Carolina is a, a premier brand, and yeah, for the SEC, that's a whole. Um, a whole new entry. I, you know, Clemson and Florida State have certainly been working closely for a while. I don't know that they're um, tied at the hip 100%, but I think it's about 80, 85%. I mean, I think it's likely that those two move. I also think, um, well, let me talk about the schools first and then get into that. Yeah. Um I think you know Miami is certainly uh, an option. Virginia is something would is a I would think a hand in glove fit for the Big Ten, but also has SEC appeal, as you said, uh, because of new states, and you would uh, you know truly have the entirety of the the South at that point. Look, don't misconstrue this. I'm not saying that this school definitely is going to get a, a, a an invite or. I do think Georgia Tech has a better chance in this than people realize. There, there are not not to the SEC, but Georgia Tech does have some some very appealing aspects uh, to other conferences, and I don't think they'd be the Big Ten's first chance, choice by any means. But could I see the Big Ten maybe trying to get North Carolina, Clemson? Georgia Tech, Florida State, so that you have some kind of continuous exposure. Um, I think that I think there may be a little bit more likelihood to that than people would realize. So um, I will also say, I don't know. It, let's just say this plays out in the next two weeks. I don't know that this plays out with announcement destination. You you could just be talking about Florida State, Clemson, UVA, whoever the schools are are going to leave the ACC. I I don't know. Uh, I don't, it could happen. It could, it could, one announcement could immediately be paired with the other. 
I don't know that that necessarily has to play out that way. So just just something else to watch for. 100%. And you like, look, there is also the possibility you could have some saber rattling over the next two weeks, but not actually do this until 24. As far as like, not like, I, I think there's a real chance that something does happen. Obviously, like, like I'm, I'm not going to be traveling on, on, on the 15th. Right. Uh, and I'm not saying 15th is the day that, that, that this goes, but there are a lot of moving pieces with this. Mm-hmm. I, I, I will not say that the Big Ten stuff is completely BS. I do not think in my heart of hearts that Florida State fans and supporters would want to go to the Big Ten over the SEC. Now, would they rather be in the Big Ten than the ACC? Yes. Like, look, for the for where most of y'all live, based on our demographics, like our, our biggest markets are Orlando, South Florida, which is just like, you know, Miami, Lauderdale, Palm Beach, Tampa, Atlanta, Jacksonville, and then a bunch of other cities, kind of in that order. If you live in Tampa, Miami, Orlando, you're not really driving to any ACC road game except Miami, right? So you're people are like, oh, that's a flight. And it, look, yes, it is absolutely a huge pain in the ass to fly to, to Iowa from Orlando. Or to like, if you want to go catch a road game at UCLA, yeah, that's that's more of a trip than it is to fly to, to Raleigh Durham, uh, you know, to to go play NC State or Wake, right? But it's still a flight. So from that standpoint, if you're North Carolina, I think your travel annoyance, if you did go to the Big Ten instead of the SEC, is is probably greater because right now you are in a drivable thing, and honestly, at, at if you're in Chapel Hill, you can drive to a lot of the SEC games. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of how long Florida is, you guys know in the chat, like you, you guys, you live here. It's a super long state. It takes forever to get out. You know, like like I, when we take the kids to our to our spot in Pensacola, it, I'm like, are we still in this state? This is nuts. Like, like you, you, um. Yeah, so we'll see. Uh, I am confident that Florida State is being proactive in this, that they fully intend to compete for national titles into the 2030s and 2040s, and they do not intend to be left behind in the ACC unless the ACC somehow drastically changes its revenue model, which Mm -hmm. I don't think will happen. I can't 100% rule out because I don't know. But I do know that Florida State, the people I trust – they they are they are looking at their options for sure and and try to ensure that they're going to be in the right spot. That's really all I got on this man. Um, do we want to talk Mike at the ACC? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> let's do that. Before we do, let's thank our friends, uh, the legendary team of Shannon and Chad, legendary home loans. Maybe we'll need to uh, secure a, a Nolcast outpost somewhere out there that. in Big Ten land or something like that. But uh, and I know who I'm going to do so if we need a little, you know, apartment in the sky uh, somewhere. So Chad and Shannon been fantastic uh, guys for this podcast, just in general to pair with, to work with. Bud's had two home loans. Our listeners have had more than 500 now. Uh, it's been as ideal of a pairing as you could ever have. 
and uh, a big thanks to them. 844-FSU-LOAN, 844-FSU-LOAN, and a uh, big shout out to them, and a big thanks to uh, Matt Thompson, who I see is in the chat. So between uh, Matt and Shannon and uh, Shannon, kill me, Chad, Shannon, fantastic sponsors, and one day I'll get all of their names right. But until then, we'll jump back into doing the podcast. So uh, Mike seemed to be in good spirits at ACC. Uh, you know, FSU Media got him for about twenty minutes before uh, before he went up on the podium. Uh, I asked him, and Brendan Sinone did a great story on this, by the way, uh, about the challenges of coaching such an experienced team. Because everybody wants to talk about how how awesome it is, and certainly, yes, like it's pretty cool to coach an experienced team. Uh, but he. He, he talked about how you, you do have to coach them differently, and uh, I would encourage everybody to go read uh, Sinone's story on Knowles 24-7. They're also running an awesome special right now, so uh, check out the work that those guys do. Uh, if you think we are conspiracy theorists, by the way, on this conference realignment stuff, like Chris Nee posted that, that he thinks FSU is is uh, actively invested in securing its future. So, you know, not, not just trying to stir up stuff here. I, Chris is not somebody that goes – goes off the handle and, and just posts crazy stuff. Uh, I did ask Mike about Keon Coleman windmill dunking in jeans. Have you seen this video? Because I've not seen the video, but Jared Verse and Jordan Travis. And Verse is an extremely cocky dude who thinks he is the best basketball player on the team until Keon showed up. Mm -hmm. And then basically the Verse oh. was like, we all saw it and we're like, oh. Well. When, 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 you're, when you're, you're in the top eight at a place like Michigan State in rotation, uh, I think you're you're probably probably going to be a little better than the guy from Albany who's a who's an absurd freak of an athlete. But um, that is, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're going to have to look yourself in the mirror at that point. Mike uh, Mike looked at me and he was like, I was like, I was like did you see it? And what did you think? He's like, yes. Welcome to Florida State. <laughs> it's almost exactly what he said. He talked about how Coach Bowden uh, really, really inspired him, and, and you know understood like the amount of work that it takes to make a place like this great, but also showed the potential uh, that a place like this has. Uh, and he wore he wore the Bowden tie, mm. look 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 pretty sharp. So that was cool. Um, he did mention on the podium uh, the uh, likelihood or possibility that uh, they're going to play seven or eight offensive linemen in games and, and, and rotate them in, which absolutely like you got to, I think this goes back to the challenges experience team. You got to keep guys happy, man. And and why do you have the depth if you're not going to use it and you're not going to, not going to leverage that depth in the game. So I was, I was pretty excited to, uh, to hear him talk about that. Like, I mean, you're a big favorite in a lot of games. You should be rotating guys in to keep dudes fresh and to keep guys happy and engaged. You know, if you're like, if you're Robert Scott and Darius Washington, and let's assume Robert Scott's back fully healthy. Are you happy and engaged during games and in practice if you're playing five snaps a game, 10 snaps a game? Like if you're just doing special teams, those probably not. Like those are guys that have been there for a long time, right? You know, it, it if CBS a goes, lot of games, played a yeah, lot of games, absolutely. Right, right. Like if CBS goes, signs Pat McAfee, then I'm going to get it. Like I'm not going to like have as much stuff, but like I still want something or I'm, you know, I'm probably going to walk. So it, it's, yeah, I, I think that that is an interesting challenge that they have. Like how many snaps does Keandre Jones play? I don't project him as, do you project him as a starter right now? I would, I would 
Uh, I don't. I they release some weights. There's not much that stands out to me. Um, and I haven't seen Keandre, but I would have thought that he um probably needed to be like negative twelve rather than plus twelve or whatever it was if he if he was going to start. I know big physical guy, maybe maybe the strongest offensive lineman, uh, but somebody that wanted to, I I thought probably needed to improve some um. Uh, I don't know, foot speed, whatever. If the goal he, is he increased still, quickness, you're being plus start. may still start. Who knows? We'll see. Um, but something to, you know, something to look for, and I'll be interested to see what he looks like uh, in pads. So I do have to say I love, uh, you know, the fact that we're recording in live 6.30 in the morning, now 7. And it's evidently ideal for our listeners in Australia and Japan, uh, bud. So getting some some positive feedback on that. That's a, that's a, a non-traditional time slot that evidently is beneficial to others out there that we hadn't, hadn't thought of. Um, so early morning is good for our Asia market for really the, late night, yes. as we know, is good for our, our, uh, our, our service service member watchers in the middle East, if I recall. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, man. Um, no update on Daryl Jackson's waiver uh, does not give me good feelings. I'll just put it at that. Like, but look, Jordan Travis did get approved way late. So that is that. Um, Fabian Lovett, I'm not revealing insider information here. This is literally in the workout videos that are that that they put out on social media, like they being the school, uh, was seen in a boot. So, you know, that's not great. Uh, before y'all get mad, I'm sure LSU has people watching these too. And they've done a deep dive on every single player on the roster already because it's the summer and I, I know coaches and there's not a whole lot else to do at times. So, yeah, man, like I would like FSU, both of FSU's best D tackles to be healthy and eligible. Those are, are things that I would like. We'll see. We'll see what happens there, I guess. We said it last time, uh, you know, it's this we've gotten to the point in the summer to where it's um, there's reason to have concern uh, with Jackson's waiver. Just have to watch it. Um, you know, he can practice, so it's not as as much of a, a deadline as, as maybe people would have liked. But I definitely think they would have preferred, you know, clarity on the subject matter at this point. So, um, you know, we'll see. I, I don't think that that's uh necessarily a done deal but um you know you you would think that you would hear i I thought mike at media day said that he thought he would hear last week by wednesday or thursday or something like that so um you know you you have to think that they um they expect some kind of ruling in the near future yeah that's that's my guess as well uh jim phillips said what he said uh look I think that there are certain ways that he could have said things better. I'm not really sure that he could have said anything that would make FSU fans or FSU administration happy. <laughs> Unless, well, he he's, could just lie. He's right? definitely a, a target uh, to have his words, you know, parsed over. And and I did it. And I, I chatted, you know, texted with friends of of ours in the industry, laughing at some of the stuff he said. Never been happier with the ESPN deal. As somebody that's gone to six or seven sec media days and six or seven acc media days um <laughs> he, he just i don't know what i thought maybe maybe in my own internal expectations jim phillips were were far too high and, and unfair now granted 
all this where the ACC has nothing to do with Jim Phillips. It's totally John Swafford. John Swafford should be uh, should should wear ninety eight percent of the blame for what is going on to this kind of conference. What's going to happen to this conference? And uh, I've referenced this before, but the biggest like uh, metaphor uh, for the ACC and John Swafford is that. Rather than just letting him retire, uh, he demanded some kind of fancy gala be thrown in his, in his honor, and uh, the SEC commissioner came to it, and the next day, he, <laughs> it leaked that Oklahoma and Texas was coming to um, coming to the SEC. So, while the ACC was out grandstanding, wasting money on a guy who, uh, quite honestly, is not special, and the fact that they, you know, did some of the things they did for him, and named the MVP of the conference championship game. Again, not major stuff, but just stuff that uh, I would, I would let John Swafford's name go into, to, to the history books. If I was the ACC, I wouldn't be doing a whole lot more for him. Uh, but I do love the conference. Would rather throw a gala for John Swafford, invite the SEC commissioner, have him attend, and then have him leak news that more or less slid your throat the next day. So uh, that's the ACC in a nutshell, and John Swafford, um, you did this. I, I hope you're enjoying watching out, uh, watching what's about to play out. So, all right. Uh, so, in recruiting news, Florida State got Charles Lester, uh, four star on twenty four seven Sports, please five star on the composite, big time cornerback out of the Bradenton, Venice area, big time kid, um, long, athletic. Tremendous announcement ceremony. I mean, it's supposed to start at seven, starts at I think eight thirty. Uh, it it kind of rivaled the the Jaden would be announcement ceremony for for length. He comes out in a cape, crown, and Florida State spear uh, as his staff. Mike Norvell does get one back on Dion, who famously you know flipped Travis Hunter from him uh, there on Saturday. And I think this was a nice uh, um, a nice win for for Pat Sertan. Uh, as well, the, the new defensive back coach helps to uh, maybe bolster his reputation as a recruiter. So big time get for them. Uh, I believe I've said on the show several times, I'm not particularly worried about defensive back recruiting. Like if I'm worried about DB recruiting, you're doing something seriously wrong. If you're FSU with the reputation you have, you have I mean, multiple Hall of Famer or, or guys who will be in the Hall of Fame. You have Jalen and Derwin right mm -hmm. now active in the NFL, a bunch of other guys in the NFL who are, are good players who played for you and you're in the state of Florida. So yeah. Um, they also landed um, Manatite, who's a big time offensive lineman out of California. If you go on our YouTube page, I talked about how Alex Atkins was going to cast a wide net uh, in offensive line recruiting because overall, this is a poor offensive line year, just nationally. Like we don't have a lot of kids in our top 100, we don't certainly don't have a lot of a lot of offensive linemen who are five stars this year, which does mean that every valuable kid you get out of this class uh, is perhaps uh, more valuable than normal because the, the drop off to the next best available guy might be more than normal. And this is a year where FSU feels it needs to take uh, three or four high school offensive linemen. Uh, Florida State is up to number six in the overall 24-7 sports composite team rankings. They also took a linebacker. You guys know my thoughts on the linebacker recruiting. I, I don't need to be negative every show. I did get a text message from a Mac coach and said, wow, 
Michigan, coaching the Mac. His reaction was, wow. Uh, so that is all that I have on that. Uh, people in the chat annoyed that 24-7 sports is not as high on some FSU's recruits as other services. To that, I would say it must be a very new conspiracy theory because last year, 24-7 sports was the highest grade on FSU's five highest players across the industry. So uh got some more threads here. What's yeah, changed? We, we, Maybe we they decided need to worry about that. I mean, I just get it. I always crack up when a fan base uh is like, they hate us. They're docking all our recruits. I mean, I'm like, yeah. If, not, if you want to show me consistent data over years of a conspiracy theory, uh yeah. But last year, Florida fans thought there was a conspiracy theory to the opposite direction that, mm -hmm. they, that they were they were pumping all of them. So, yeah, that's uh, that's interesting about that. Um, do we want to do a mailbag question here? Got a got a couple perhaps, or do we want to do the Mullen talk? Oh yeah, the yeah the Mullen talk. We've been we've been holding that one for a second. Uh, Whatever your preference is here. I know you've got a, a tighter schedule than I do this morning. So um I got like a 740 out. So we do have we do have some time. Um Florida fans recently were comparing Mike Norvell to Dan Mullen. Uh, let's go into why. Let's see if the comparison holds. Basically, they were saying. He's at its surface. I can kind of see why they would do it. And I don't think Dan Mullen's a bad coach, right? I think Dan Mullen did a tremendous job at Mississippi state and is a guy who does a really nice job with lesser talent and getting them to play up and is certainly I mean, one of the better offensive minds in the sport. Uh, he also did not a very good job managing stuff at Florida and the recruiting with the Gators was was not particularly good. And we'll see, uh, kind of compare that to, to Mike. So Dan Mullen got to Florida in what year? Was that, uh, was that 17 or 18? I'm trying to think here. I believe Maybe. it was 18. So, uh, yeah, 18, you're right. So he was there for four seasons, 18, 19, 20, 21. And the recruiting, uh, at times was kind of sketch, right? They seemed to be late to offer some kids. They were not really competitive on some of this stuff. Uh, and they also at times took kids that seemed to do it to boost their recruiting ranking. I'm not saying this is the only reason, but I believe enough people knew these kids were extremely unlikely to qualify but they were highly rated because of their athleticism. And indeed, they did not qualify. And if you pulled some of those kids out, it looked like sort of cooking the books a little bit to get the boosters off your back. Again, I'm not saying Mullen did this. It had the appearance of, of, of doing so. I will say I do not think Florida State does that part at all. Like I know for a fact that they have had opportunities to take highly rated kids and not do so. Mm -hmm. Right because they don't think they're they're very good, uh, which is fine. Like they, FSU trusts its own evaluations. I think for the most part, they're probably a pretty good scouting school. Uh, I think some of the comparisons are fair, right, in that is FSU recruiting at a super elite level? 
this year they're in the top six. So as of now, yeah. Uh, were they previously? No, certainly not. Um, I I don't know if the comparisons are super fair also because Mullen had a lot more pressure on him, I think, to do well quickly uh, following McIlwain than Mike had after Taggart. Mike basically said this is not going to be an instant flip and went about it in a really interesting way and took advantage of the transfer portal to, to get the roster up to a certain level and probably had a market inefficiency within the transfer portal. One that I know you and I have discussed on this show may not last forever. Like I think FSU has established itself as a good destination for transfers. They take advantage of, of the transfer portal extremely well. It's also, I think, harder to compete in the transfer portal than it ever has been before, even with that established reputation. So FSU is leaning in harder on high school recruiting than they have been, uh, and the results so far in this class are are good. I mean, it, and they're not just taking a bunch of guys who are, you know, are, are fringe. I mean, they have, what, like five or six guys who are in – six guys in, in, in the national top 150 right now, and another kid in, in McCoy who, you know, may or may not stay in the class – uh, in the 160. Uh, now he, a couple things happened happened to Mullen. Like Portal happened right at the end of his tenure. JUCO stuff went really crazy in terms of, of the available availability of JUCOs due to COVID, right? Which Mullen previously had relied on JUCOs. Mike actually did two at Memphis and did a really good job with, with, with the JUCO stuff. Uh, I think part of this man is just. Allowing Mike to learn on the job. You know, Mike can learn on the job a little bit here in Tallahassee because the schedule is easier. I mean, I, I some of the guys on the Florida board asked me, like, like how much harder is UF's schedule? And I, I plugged in FSU into UF's schedule, but still made them play FSU, right? So I was like, what if UF was an FSU-quality projected team? And I had it as a win and a half, win and a half harder this year because they play Utah and FSU in addition to playing, you know, the, the SEC schedule, which is you know, fairly tough. So I think there's less of an opportunity to learn on the job at Florida. Like Mike can do the slow build. The biggest thing here that, that I see though, is the trajectory. Mullen's classes to me were not getting better. Mike's classes clearly are. Could Norvell lean on his guys more and go a little more Mario, not full Mario, yeah, I think that's, that's certainly possible, but he wants to have a balance of coaching and recruiting. In my opinion, recruiting is a lot more important than coaching at the very highest level. But overall, things are trending upwards. Like If you just look at it as a static offensive guy, not a super elite recruiter, I, I wasn't really seeing evidence that Mullen's recruiting was getting better. I think Mike is improving his staff, and the recruiting does seem to be on the way up. He needs to continue to improve the staff, in my opinion, on the recruiting side. But it's not a static thing. With Mullen, it didn't seem like things were going in the right direction. It's very hard to argue that things are not going in the right direction for FSU right now. And mm -hmm. the fact that they are recruiting so well at the high school level now is a massive undercut to the argument of Florida fans who pose this initial question that they basically just built a team and not a program, which is the 2023 team. I don't think that's accurate. Now, will they have a little bit of a drop off in twenty four? Probably. I mean, it'd be hard not to not to anticipate that. But they do seem to be setting themselves up more for the long term 
with the quality of player they're getting to visit at most positions uh, and the quality of, of recruit they're getting to say yes right now. So, yeah, like I don't think that that they're crazy to, to just put this argument out based on some factors, but I also think there are key differences. I think um, there are key differences. I have felt uh, like there was a more <clears throat> and and Mike, you know, took a job over that was the lowest point in this program's history. So you know, maybe it's a little bit easier to be more deliberate in how you go about this process. Um, Mike certainly you know, had a, a couple things that he didn't get right immediately, but it just felt, uh, I don't know, but felt a little bit more deliberate uh, in my opinion. And there just hasn't, I don't know, man, I'm not trying to like clown on anybody, but like the first second I saw Dan Mullen's wife do that thing pregame where she like gives all the players Eskimo kisses or hugs or whatever, it just felt it was a strange thing. And I know I'm not trying to like, make things odd but whenever you've got uh more people trying to like get involved in stuff with a program it could be a challenge um again i don't think dan mullen like would still be the coach at florida if stuff if that like wasn't such an odd uh thing to to look at but uh i just it never just felt like it it fit and that was strange because it was a guy that was there it, it was a guy who um way back in the day uh like i used to write articles about how i thought dan mullen was actually the most important person at florida dan mullen was the guy who had been an offensive coordinator urban meyer never called plays in his life um and when dan left even when they still had tim tebow and they still had some of those super ex um explosive pieces the offensive production dropped significantly um I'm still kind of surprised that it just didn't work out for Dan Mullen in Florida. That, that in my opinion was, uh, was, was one of the safer hires and hires that made more sense uh, that I've seen recently. So I just don't think Dan got the, the right people around him from a recruiting standpoint. And I think it, it took Mike a little bit to do that, but you certainly have seen a, a noticeable uptick uh, this year and, and uh, to an extent last year with recruiting. It's an interesting comparison. Definitely. Uh, I have a feeling that that uh, Mike's body of work is going to be much more expansive and uh, probably with a few more highlights added to it than than what Dan had in his time in, at Gainesville. Tend to agree. Also, like, do I think Dan Mullen's a great fit to run a big time, big time program? No, because I do think you got to be a killer in recruiting, mm -hmm. right? Mike still has a chance to become that, and I think is improving as a recruiter. Um, I think you got to either be a killer in recruiting or a killer in uh, like fundraising and booster relationships and stuff like that. And I don't, I don't think, I don't think that was ever going to be Dan's strength, right? right? Uh, so, can but, we also point out that Florida, despite getting all this SEC money and and being you know, the old school in the state. <laughs> Look at some of the other factors behind the scenes. Like some mm -hmm. of their other programs are not well run despite all this money. I mean, their collective was like literally the poster child for dumpster fire collectives for like 18 months, right? I mean, I mean the, the guy in Coral Gables has given them a good run for their well, money right now. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah that's uh, 
Um, <laughs> red flags on top of red flags <laughs> on top of red flags. <laughs> I, I was told that uh, back back in when was Battle Miami? Was that January? January, February. I think I think late January. Um, I was told that Miami was was uh, looking to diversify over the next two years their their collective scene, which I. I do think they have somewhat. We'll see how much yeah, fully they have. They have some, but you're not going to be able to, you know. Bro, it's much more fun to say that Miami's going to fall apart because of this Ruiz thing. Yeah, like, which yeah, uh, I 100 do not buy the idea that Chris Ball has to take a pay cut. Like that's not going to happen. Oh, I, I didn't uh, even know that was. Discussed. Yeah, that people were, no. were tweeting at us. I mean, just is, just as a rule a in life, folks. If anyone ever tells you they have unlimited money, you need to laugh at them and and. Get out of that conversation. Uh, like, it just is not a thing. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I would. Yeah, I'm not going to go into that. But I've, I've been around some people with exceptional wealth, like some of the wealthier people in the world, and they would never tell you that they have unlimited money. Uh, so, anyway, unlimited. Remember, um, remember the little commercial? Um, um, wait, did you say unlimited? unlimited? I'm sorry. Unlimited. <laughs> unlimited. Uh, yeah, so like, man, if, if I uh, if I had a program that was like a Georgia Tech, a Mississippi State, something like that, Oklahoma State, if Gundy were to go, I I'd hire Dan Mullen. In snap mm -hmm. call, yeah. Like what he did at Mississippi State is incredible. Zach Arnett might be about to find out how hard that place actually is to run. I mean, they they had two of the better overcome talent deficiency coaches in the last quarter century and Mike Leach and Dan Mullen. Mm -hmm. um, but it is a different skill set to, to run a program that competes for titles because recruiting talent acquisition is kind of the thing. And if you're not amazing at it, you need to make damn sure that your staff is uh, and, and make sure that everybody around that thing that, that is required for talent acquisition is uh, in alignment. Side note, it appears that uh, Auburn is uh, is aligned right now. Oh yeah, uh, as as well. So they are. I met met with some of their people uh, six months ago or so. They they're uh, you know they Auburn has resources and and uh, clarity on how they want to use them. So indeed, do we think this is a mailbag? Oh, by the way, before we do the mailbag, guys, uh, we are the VIP speakers for the Tampanoles season kickoff event. That is on August 12th in Tampa, and we hope you guys come see us out. Talk to Mike Helquist, who runs the Tampa Knowles Club. They do a great job. I've been to this event several times. And if you use promo code NOLCAST, you can click the link in our show description. You can get $20 off the VIP experience, which is pretty cool because we have a raffle for LSU-FSU tickets, which face value is ridiculous, and aftermarket value is even more. Open bar, open food. I mean, it's just... It's going to be a really fun experience, so I cannot wait to see you guys there. I know a lot of listeners have already signed up. Please use that promo code NOLCAST. The link is in the show notes. You can check it out and just click it on whatever app uh, you're using, and we will see you all there. It'll be a really, really good time. I think Graham is, I don't know, did his camera fail, or did he have to take the dog out? We've got the young dog. Uh, my, that is my guess. So we have a mailbag question from our Patreon, patreon.com slash Nolcast. Uh, 
going into each respective season, which is the bigger season opening game for the program, the 2017's matchup with Alabama or this year's game with LSU. Uh, I know 2017 featured what will likely be the higher-ranked teams, but can an argument be made this game is more important for the Knowles? Thanks for all you guys do, especially given your other commitments. Uh, we, I mean, we definitely love doing Nolcast. I, I, it's probably the favorite thing I do. All right, so, um, man, I don't know. Like, 2017 was billed internally as a, a bounce back. I know Graham and I picked Alabama to win the ball game um, because we didn't really trust Francois, and we, but but the spread was close. So, from that standpoint, you know, perhaps I don't know. All right, dude. Are you back? Yeah. All right. Do we think 2017 Bama or 2023 LSU was uh, a bigger game for the program entering the game? Uh, I mean, you wanted to say 23 immediately, but wasn't it one verse three or whatever in 2017? And you finally got a shot at Bama because Bama had to kick six in 2013, so you didn't get to play them. People did expect Florida State to be, you know, I don't know if people expected them to win, but that was not like, oh, we're going to go get our ass kicked type of feeling. A lot of FSU Uh, media picked Bama to to, to win that game. Yeah. We thought it would be closer than it was. Well, it was. it was It was a... it was a very good game. Uh, that PI call is kind of BS. Yeah, the the PI call, or the non-call rather. The non-call. Um, yeah. Then you got your quarterback broken, and the game was over. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Is it is a different feeling about this one? Uh, you know, not to. I'm not just saying this because it's the coach's <laughs> phrase, but you know, you do feel like right now the the program is climbing, whereas in 2017 you had already gotten there and you were trying to maintain and, you know, maybe behind the scenes, uh, we were, we were starting to get concerned that that maintenance wasn't, wasn't actually, wasn't actually going on. Um, so I, I am certainly more excited for this year's game. And, uh, it does to me feel like, a feel like an early season playoff game. And that's, uh, that's remarkable. So particularly when you think, uh, when you think of where this program was just two or three years ago. So I can definitely see an argument for both. Um, if FSU wants to reach its highest goals, then it needs to win this ball game or at least compete in it. Right. I, I do think you can make the playoff as a one loss team. I 100% think that if you start two and two or you have two losses that this team with this schedule will not make the playoff as a two loss team, period. Like I, I got a little bit of pushback on that yesterday on cover three in ACC. There has never been a two loss playoff team, correct? Don't I'm believe so. No, very sure that it will not come from the ACC. Uh, yeah, no, not, not losing, not losing. No. If you're two losses, to LA, yeah, yeah, you're not going to be a two loss playoff yeah, team in general, no. but you're like, certainly not going to be if you lose to, you know, the best two teams on the schedule and you don't really have a whole lot of, uh, you know, Great resume builders after that, in my opinion. So, did you know that James Blackman is still on the is apparently still on the Dolphins? Yeah, he saw cool. there was somebody. Uh, 
uh, maybe it was a former beat writer is now covering the Dolphins or something who uh, I saw put a picture out of uh, the four Dolphins quarterbacks walking into practice and particularly pointed out that, hey, that tall guy on the far right is uh, somebody that Florida State fans might recognize. So good for James. That that does not suck. Um, all right. Some notes on FSU's opponents from ACC Media Day, if you want to discuss these. Uh, this is not in the doc, so I'm just going to bounce some stuff off you. Uh, FSU does play Virginia Tech this year. Uh, Pry basically said like that they know it's a process. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that kind of confirms my thought there. I don't know why I just pulled up Virginia Tech's schedule. That's not really all that helpful if you're going to discuss FSU. Uh, here we go. Boston College, I, I do think is an improved team, by the way. Um, they played, I think, 10 guys, had over 100 snaps on the O-line last year, which is one of the more injured offensive lines you'll ever see. They actually had off- defensive linemen playing and starting for them last year in November because they just lost so many guys on the O-line. Uh Duke, Sarah, like I still think Duke's okay. At Wake, Wake at Wake is interesting. So there's a boatload of confidence, confidence in this quarterback they have, Mitch Griffiths. But Hartman last year was also really good when they were behind the sticks, which is to say, like I think there's a pretty good chance Griffiths can operate that that slow mesh offense and be really good for them. But Hartman was really good outside of that of that system as well. And third and eight type stuff where the slow mesh is not going to be run. They were able to convert with him. So that was pretty impressive. Wake lost their best D lineman to the NFL draft. They lost their second best D lineman to uh, Oklahoma in the portal and lost their third best D lineman interior wise uh, to graduation. Then they lost, I think their best corner to Texas in the portal. So, I mean, look, there is a real chance that Mike gets a revenge game offensively against this Wake team. And, uh, I mean, FSU has not scored a ton on Wake in the last two years, despite the fact that Wake's defense has not been not been great. I don't think this Wake defense is, is improved, and uh, you you may just need to drop a drop a 50-burger up there and just exercise some demons. Uh, Pitt. I think will be a pain in the ass to play, right? I mean, they, they always play really hard. I think they're they're pretty competent. Um, losing Kansi is a big deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that, that's you know what first round pick. So Miami, uh, I did come away from that just talking to people around there, much more confident in their defense than their offense. Although they think the offensive line is way improved, they do not say that about receiver. Quarterback to me is still a you know, big kind of kind of one of those. So that may just be a team that plays hard. Like you got some back to back, that little stretch there at Wake, at Pitt, host Miami. That's going to be like a challenge of, of very, very different schemes and a challenge of, of physicality in, in, in the, the Pitt and Miami games, most likely. Mm-hmm. But if you're really if you think you're a, you're a 24 or 25, which is like a legitimate you know, top eight type power rating team, you shouldn't shouldn't really struggle with those. If you're not, you may be in for an absolute war. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> oh man, I uh, 
I love that we received a, a question as if to the snap count draft will be one of our next shows. Uh, it, it will, will it will be will be in the next three weeks. Uh, absolutely. It's, it's around the corner and we've got uh, season preview episodes coming, position previews, uh, nothing but a bunch of, but a bunch of fun stuff around the corner. People like those last year when, when, when we put 15 minutes on the clock and, and kept it 15 or under, because they said they could go back and listen to it as a playlist, right? Yeah. You could do like an hour and a half, all positions are hit and, and you're done. Mm-hmm. Like, for a lot, you know, starting O line guesses against LSU. Well, we had uh, we also had like the two minute linebacker preview from uh, from uh, the fishing spot. So that is true. Uh, you know, we can we can diversify. Yep, uh, that that is absolutely true. From Chica, yeah, from from the Chica. Uh, the guy with his podcast did put out a new <laughs> did put out a new episode. By the way, that's all. I, yeah, yeah. He has a new episode, Hot New York Giants Takes. <laughs> I'll have to go uh, find that. That's yeah. Uh, so, starting O line guesses against LSU. I'll go. All right. For sure, Maurice, unless Roddick has just learned to snap, mm-hmm. which I, I'm not sure. I have a hard time seeing them not run Dimitri out there. A complete agreement. Experience. Yeah. Roddick at the other guard spot, I think. Mm-hmm. I think Bless has to play. Bless and Byers for me. Yeah, that's I, yeah. I that's where I'm going to. That's which means you have some quality players uh rotating in. I don't want to call yeah. them bench players, like guys rotating in from the bench. Like well, and I could see, and, you know, if Rob Scott works himself back in and fully uh uh, by the way, I, I believe Rob just lost his father recently as well, so oh, I'll acknowledge that. And, old sister uh, Rob, Shoot. send him, send him my best. Um, Rob comes back. I could see. Look, Byers is going to play, man. Byers is a is a son of a gun. Uh, maybe maybe Byers slides to one of those guard spots, and Rob comes in a tackle or something like that. Uh, but for this for LSU, that's my that's my starting five that I'm I'm going to guess absolutely. I like that starting five. That I mean. That's uh that's gonna be that's gonna be a really interesting trench game. You know, the the, the Campbell kid who was a five star tackle who verse bullied in his first ever start has apparently put on like twenty pounds and uh I think got voted first team all SEC because he played mm-hmm. really well down the stretch for them last year. So I I, I talked to Verse about it and he was like, I'm I'm extremely excited to, to, to line it up again. I mean, obviously the guy got better, I got better too. Yeah. So like that's a, that's a prime time matchup. I I do think FSU would play this game tomorrow if they could. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you know, just like LSU clearly got better last year as the season went on. I think FSU got better as well. So to to be fair, uh, but there was an element of like that's the first game they played under Brian Kelly, and, and they they kind of figured out who they were as the season wore on. I, I definitely don't think the team that you played on Labor Day last year would have beaten Alabama, uh, you know, type, type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chats says if our, our, if our Miller doesn't start, I believe he'll transfer. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Uh, I, I think the guy realizes he's being developed by Alex Atkins and is definitely in line to be a multi-year starter. Uh, also, he's not a graduate transfer, so he literally can't go anywhere right now. So I disagree with that pretty hard, chat. Other than that, though, 
Sorry. I, I, yeah, I don't think anybody's going anywhere immediately. But uh, yeah, if you're if you are not a graduate transfer at this point, you really should not be going anywhere because you have to sit out. Uh, so um, yeah, like that's a really interesting. But, but all these new DBs for LSU, I think, is a concern for them. How will they met? Like, are they going to communicate? On the flip side, you kept Adam Fuller. Right. And I've called that move a gamble, but it's also one that that is an informed gamble on their part. I want to see great communication on the back end for FSU. No busted coverage. It's like if you're keeping Fuller and, and the reason you're citing is like to me when I asked is continuity. Then I, then I want to see I want to see some continuity. I want to mm-hmm. see immediate. Like I, I want you looking like like a team that has played for eight weeks already with, with all these guys coming back on defense. Perfect communication. Not busting coverages, you know, making the opponent earn it on every single play, type thing. I know it's college ball; there'll, there'll be some busts, but you, know, like I, you want to see tangible results and tangible, like, yeah, that's why that, that that's why you didn't make a change there at DC. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's a fascinating game, man. I'm I'm really excited to watch that. Um, I actually have a doctor appointment, so I got I got a bolt, and I think you as well. I will. Uh, I'll be seeing you, my man. Enjoyed yes, it as always. Want to thank our friends at Congruity. CongruityHR.com is the website. CongruityHR.com is the place that's cooking. Uh, love where we've gotten this relationship of Congruity, and proud that uh, we've gotten a consistent stream of people uh, taking their businesses over to uh, Matt and his team. Big thanks there, and uh, we mentioned him earlier, but Matt Thompson for the Table Restaurant Group, Charlie Park. Uh, fantastic people. Look forward to seeing uh, as many of y'all at the uh, tailgate that they're doing for the LSU game. And uh, we will put that link in the uh, description as well. So uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. We'll be around. If something wild happens, you can count on seeing Bud and I in the next couple of hours. Uh, <laughs> next couple of weeks will be fun. There's a plethora of news and action and other things that are going to be going on surrounding Florida state athletics. Um, you won't, you won't, uh, it's not going to be a boring couple of weeks. I'll put Probably. it that way. Yeah. We're, you're about to see a whole lot of us. So. <laughs> see you guys.